Dan Israel joins us here on Sports Daily, as he does every Tuesday during the Chiefs season. We appreciate Dan. You can always hear Dan and the Chiefs radio network over on KNSS every Chiefs game right here on our family of stations. Dan, uh, catch our breath. Another classic Chiefs-Bills showdown. Buffalo gets the best of this one. Several days removed. How's the vibe up there at Arrowhead? You know, I think for the most part, everybody's, uh, you know, they're disappointed in the loss, but they're encouraged for two reasons. One, I think, you know, the two best teams in the AFC went into that game and the two best teams in the AFC came out of that game. I think what you thought the Chiefs were, what you thought the Bills were, was for real. And that's always nice when teams play what you expect to. And it, it was an epic matchup. The second reason is that, you know, you realize that the Bills aren't vastly superior to the Chiefs. These are two very close teams, and every time they play, it's going to finish in the final seconds of the game, and I think this is another example uh, to prove that. So, I, I, And then I would throw in there my personal thoughts, which is it's very difficult to beat a team twice in one season. And so when these teams, two teams rematch in the playoffs, and I hope that they do, I expect that they will, uh, I think it'll be to the Chiefs' advantage to have lost that regular season game, much like last year. Unfortunately, it may cost them the, the home field advantage. You know, they may have to fly to Orchard Park and, and play in Buffalo. But who cares where they play as long as they can can uh, progress in the playoffs? That's what matters. Dan, I think it's pretty remarkable uh, when when you sit back and you watch these matchups of you know, especially Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen's and Josh Allen and you know the two best quarterbacks in the NFL, head and shoulders above. Uh, basically anybody else and you know we've seen him go back and forth over the last couple of years we'll probably see it for years to come Uh, take a minute to assess your thoughts on not only Patrick Mahomes but what you saw from Josh Allen on Sunday yeah it's pretty special I've seen an awful lot of football in my life I've seen an awful lot of great players in my life Hall of Fame players in my life but I don't think I've ever seen two people on the field like that in, in such command of their position I mean uh, Mahomes, we've just seen the magic from Mahomes time and time again. Is, was it odd for him to throw that interception? It was, but it does happen, correct? But I, I feel like, you know, we all it just – the man is has put the game on his back so many times and won it that if he puts it on his back and he loses one, you have to kind of forgive that in, in that the overall is good. Allen is the same way, man. I, I just felt like he's played two – practically flawless games in Arrowhead and only won one of them and barely won that one. You know, I, I mean, who knows if Mahomes hadn't thrown the interception, what would have happened? I, I think it's got to be frustrating for him to come to Kansas City, to get on a plane and come to Kansas City and know you, you, you don't know how you're going to be going home. Uh, but, wow, did he play good. He's just got such a cannon. You know, I think there were a couple of times when, he was practically in the grasp of either Frank Clark or Chris Jones and still managed to make incredible throws. So much like Mahomes, he's a playmaker, man. These two are going to be around for a long time. I think the interesting thing, too, is neither one of them were really the first quarterback picked in the in their draft class. So uh, it just goes to show that we still have a long way to go when we evaluate talent. Yeah, the, the, the talent is there for both of these teams. I thought it was a really interesting game. I, I did think, though, Dan, the defense, and I know they're not 100%, but now for the second week in a row, that was not a good performance by the defense, which we had seen promise from. What is what is the need there? What has to get better? We obviously identify pass rush, right? And the secondary is thin, but it's getting burned on too many plays. What do we think right now defensively 
And as we ask that, as the Chiefs restructure Travis Kelsey's deal today to free up some money, could there be any help out there that's not currently on the roster? Well, you know, I I would say with what Veach has been able to do with general manager Brett Veach, there's probably somebody out there that he could bring in here and help. I, I do think the injury situation, the suspension has not been good. Dana and McDuffie being down uh, has has been a, a, a tough haul. I think Willie Gay Jr. being absent hasn't been as big a deal as I probably had thought that it would, but when you play great teams, and the Buffalo Bills are a complete team, man. I mean, they even – they even got the squib kick right this year, which is, you know, something I think in previous years that or the previous year that we saw where their special teams wasn't quite up to their defense and offense. But I feel like, you know, for the chiefs, when you're playing a great team, you just, you've got to have all your talent there. And, and these guys are too young. You know, Williams, Joshua Williams, is just a little too young to, to really be confident in his, in his, you know, his mechanics and and so Mike Dana being down, I, I felt like Chris Jones was really uh, struggling to not get double teamed. That the I don't know what's going on in the league right now with these holding calls. It just feels like the refereeing is continuing to get, get worse and worse. They were holding Frank Clark and Chris Jones, just blatantly holding, grabbing jerseys and and not getting called. I thought that was a little bit unique. But, you know, I think you get Dana back in that lineup. Um, I think things get better. George Karloftis is going to continue to get better. Uh, you know, we even saw Copeland or we saw a number of players that we didn't really feel like, you know, maybe they were starting caliber, take a step forward. They put a lot on these young guys for that game to play what in my mind might be the best team in the National Football League right now. Uh, is is asking a lot, but one thing we know about you know losing for the Kansas City Chiefs and the way the coaching staff handles that is they always learn, they always get better. I'd like to see though the cornerback situation, the secondary has just got to get a little stronger. Uh, you know when you're up against a quarterback who's surgical like Josh Allen, and we've got a number of those, right? I mean we see that in Herbert as well. You got to have cornerbacks that can play man to man and can keep up and. And there's just nothing, uh, there's no substitute for that. So that would be my, you know, that's probably where I'd go because I, I do feel like they were getting a little, Frank Clark was getting a little bit of pressure in there on Sunday. I thought he played very well. And, and so my biggest concern is that secondary. So following up on that a little bit, Dan, because I agree with you, and we talked about it last week when you were on the show about how, of course, Buffalo brings in Steph Diggs and, and Gabe Davis and, you know, just their dynamic wide receiver core. Do you think that they're, until that secondary gets older, gets better, gets stronger, that maybe there is a, a scheme change that's needed or play calling change? Because I felt like, I thought Steve Spagnola called a pretty good game overall, uh, but I, I do feel like, you know, there were all those, uh, all those times that he blitzed Josh Allen. And yeah, there was some pressure and there was some disruption from Josh Allen, but they only had one sack. They could only get to him one time. And when you're blitzing that way, of course, you're leaving these young corners on an island by themselves. Is there a change that needs to be happening in the the play calling decision making? Like, do you need to do something a little bit different until you can get a better beefed up secondary? You know, I'd hate to second guess Steve Spagnuolo because he's a really smart dude. But here's what I would say about all of that is that they they were getting 
effective pressure against him, even though they weren't sacking him, they were forcing errant throws in that first half. And in particular, the first quarter, I think they, they had pressured him like 10 times and, and he had blown the, they had pretty much blown the play up nine of those 10 times. But in the second half, as Josh Allen settled down and started being more effective against that, a lot like we see Mahomes do, that's when I think you almost got to stop the, you know, the blitz. You can't leave those guys uncovered for four or five seconds. Uh, they just don't have enough experience. And so to me, I guess if I were going to second guess him, the, the thing I would say is they should have probably made some more adjustments to maybe not do as much blitzing in the second half when Allen wasn't being effective. Uh, I get though, I get the, you know, it's a, it's a fine line and it's certainly a balance that they have to strike. The other thing I think is interesting about, you know, when these young guys go up against guys like Joshua Allen, um, that's an opportunity for them to learn that they aren't going to learn anywhere else. You know, when you're going up against a, a Derek Carr, or you're going up against, you know, just a, a mediocre quarterback and, uh, you know, or maybe a quarterback that doesn't have a lot of experience, you don't get to learn like you do. And, and I felt like, you know, when they were up against Tampa Bay and, and Tom Brady, they really worked on disguising their defenses to try to, to fool Tom Brady, and they did it. And so now they were up against a guy who is able to extend plays when they break down not only once, but they break down a second time. He can still do things. And, and so those are all learning opportunities to make those guys stronger, that you can't get that kind of schooling anywhere else. So I, while I say, you know, in my mind, yes, you're right. I think they've got to be careful about exposing those guys until they get the experience. There's only one way to get that experience, and so it's a fine line. It's a balance they have to find. Let's talk, Dan, uh, because we just continue to evaluate it. The wide receiver room, big plays made by Juju Smith-Schuster, which was really nice to see. McCole Hardman made a couple of plays. That was promising, and, and maybe that's coming. How do you evaluate their day against Buffalo? You know, if I'm honest, guys, I, I, this, I find this frustrating. It's like somebody step up. It's just – it really feels like this is a wide-open field and all these guys have this yep. tremendous talent and nobody's just gone, that's my job. You're going to pry that job from my cold, dead fingers. You know, nobody's really taken that attitude with it. And, and while I think it's, it's always good when an offense spreads the ball around, you know, you want to hit the fact that – you know, we, we entered that game without a single wide receiver having a touchdown. And that, that I find that fascinating. You know, I mean, how is it that I, I get that Tyreek's not here anymore and the dynamic's a little different, but it just feels like no one wants to step into that number one slot. Juju's probably as close as we've seen, and that's kind of what we saw at camp. MVS had a fantastic catch in the end zone that he dropped. You know, it's like – I just it's I find it a little frustrating because, you know, we're five weeks, six weeks in here uh, and still nobody has claimed that job. At least that's the way I feel. I don't know. How do you guys feel? about it? Well, I, I mean, I just I wonder if they're ever going to have somebody they target like that. Juju broke off the big play. So he had the 42 yarder. That was great to see. We haven't seen that for four weeks prior to this game. So maybe that's something um, I, I I don't know either. And, and when they free up money, I just. Would they attack that position? I mean, it seems like the need is bigger on the defense, but Odell Beckham's out there and doesn't cost you anything but money. 
The Panthers are in a fire cell. I mean, there's names out there that would draw some interest, or is this offense now just designed for Kelsey to be that guy and to spread it around? I guess I just don't know what their intention is. It's hard to say. Well, there's certainly the trust level with Kelsey and and you know when you when you talk about defense versus offense, uh, if I were to look at that game last week against the Bills and keeping in mind that it's against the Bills, I, I would say I felt like the defense struggled. However, they held the Bills to 24 points, right? Which is pretty impressive. The fact that our offense could only score 20 uh, probably goes to show why the Bills are rated number one in so many statistical you know, categories, uh, defensively. Uh, but you know, for us, we've just always been able to overcome whatever it is, whatever's thrown at Mahomes in the offense. And so, you know, there's, I, I don't know how they're looking at it, but I mean, there is an argument to be made there that they still don't have the pieces on offense that they need. Um, my natural inclination is go find a cornerback, you know, but, but I, it, I guess it wouldn't surprise me if they did come in with a, a if they brought in some more guys. I just don't think I think you'd have a better shot at finding a cornerback out there than you're going to have at finding a, a wide receiver. I mean, they brought in an awful lot of talent, a wide receiver, and and still, even with that level of competition, we haven't seen anybody emerge. It's it's a little fascinating. You know, Dan, it's interesting to me. That, you know, all the talk about the wide receiver room and, and the lack of a clear number one receiver outside of Travis Kelsey. Um, I, I, I understand that and I get it, but I also look at the running backs. I, like, I feel like there's more concern running the football right now than the, all the different wide receivers that the chiefs have really against Buffalo. Nobody was effective. Clyde Edwards, Elaire wasn't effective in the run game. Pacheco wasn't effective. Jerick McKinnon was nowhere to be found. And I know it's kind of a, it's been a different guy every week that has been, fairly effective for Kansas city running the football, but against Buffalo and it's credit to Buffalo's defense. Absolutely. in stopping the run, but do you have any concerns about where the running back room is right now? Uh, you know, I, I would say I don't have as much concern about that because I, I feel like for the bills that their interior two defensive linemen in their linebacking, especially Milano, I, I just think is underrated. Milano's an unbelievably good linebacker. He's a lot like Nick Bolton to me. He's able to stop things in the backfield. Uh, it feels almost like he's guessing sometimes, but he guesses right so many times it can't be a guess. You know, if you flip a coin 10 times and it's nine times out of 10, it lands on, on one side, you can't, that's not chance anymore. Something's up. <laughs> You've got a trick coin or, you know, somebody's involved there. And I feel like with Milano, he just guesses right so many times it, it can't be guessing. Uh, so to me, I feel like they're a little underrated. The Bills were a little underrated against the run, even though I, I know there's been teams have success against them this year. I, I feel like their scheme is matches up well with us. So I'm not worried yet. Let's see how this goes against the 49ers. I think this will be a truer test to see, you know, because in each of these games outside of the Bills games, it feels like one running back has risen to the occasion to kind of balance things out and make some, you know, plays happen with the possible example, whatever the possible exception of the Colts. But the, you know, the, the Jarek McKinnon 30 yard run the week against the Raiders, you know, that just didn't happen this week. And so I, I want to see – I want a little bit larger sample set, but your your question is a valid one for sure. Yeah, and we can't predict which guy it's going to be, right? You felt like after the week before it was going to be a 
Chet McKinnon game, and we didn't see him till the fourth really running the ball. Uh, before we let you go, Dan, let's look ahead to the Niners. I don't know if they're going to get healthier on defense than they were a week ago, but it was pretty bad how many injuries they had. Um, the Chiefs have to go on the road, and they have to go out there. But this feels like a good opportunity to catch the Niners when they may be just a little bit hobbled, both offensively and defensively, right? You want a good test for the, for the corners? Well, here's Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. But defensively, yeah. <laughs> the Niners are, are a little bit hobbled. What do we think of this matchup? I, I think this might be great timing to get them, especially when you have to go there to play them. Yes, I would agree. I, I think it's perfect timing. They're just so banged up. They're a little bipolar anyway. I mean, you've seen them, you've seen them play extremely well. You've seen them beat people they sh- you didn't think they would beat. But as banged up as they are, and it, it, the whole quarterback situation is fascinating to me with, you know, they've moved on from a quarterback and then suddenly he's the starting quarterback again. But I do know Jimmy Garoppolo is a very – above average quarterback. This isn't a guy who's just capable of, of being a, a signal caller. He can make plays. And so they haven't, you mentioned the two guys that are probably the scariest to me on offense. And so they've got to figure out a way to handle that offense. Cause if they don't, it will get away from them. But I do feel like this is an opportunity for the chiefs to go out there and kind of fix things and, and get back on track because I think they're catching a little bit of a watered down 49ers team. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. It's another afternoon kick. You guys will have it on KNSS 425. It'll be in the national window again. Um, so we look forward to it. We look forward to the Chiefs uh, bouncing back. What time does pregame start for you guys, Dan? Uh, network, it's 2 o'clock. That, that, okay. I tell you, it's, it's almost amazing. We never see the noon window anymore. When I first started I cutting my teeth 30 years ago, every game was at noon unless you went to the West Coast. But – that is not true anymore. Now, man, it just seems like we're uh, we're the we're the show. With you know, hey, you gotta like that kind of pressure, right? Yeah, you know, you'll I mean, take the Chiefs it, have right? an inc- yeah, the Chiefs have an incredibly tough schedule, and and they somehow managed to make all of these games entertaining. And and the one thing I think I was most pleased by the Bills' performance was it wasn't a blowout. Week five, or maybe it was week six uh, in twenty twenty one. That was a blowout, man. They they handled the Chiefs soundly. This was a very entertaining game, and, and I hope the 49ers are competitive enough that the Chiefs – it would be an entertaining game as well, but the Chiefs should fare well in San Francisco. Yeah, I, I, I like them this week quite a bit. All right, Dan, thank you. Let's do it again next week, and we'll be heading into a bye, which will be uh, welcome for the Chiefs to get a little healthier and, well, whatever it takes to get some defenders back. We appreciate it, Dan. We'll talk to you again next week. Sounds good, guys. Go Chiefs.